This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It is The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and uh, 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. We want to say thanks to our title sponsor of The Big Show. That would be Big O. Stop by your locally owned and operated Big O Tires. Save up to $150 off Big O brand tires with your Big O credit card now through May 31st. Big O Tires, the team you trust. Let's jump out to the zone phone. Joining us now, she covers the Jazz for the Deseret News. Jazz game two against Grizzlies tonight. Tip-off at 8, pregame at 7. We're now joined by our friend Sarah Todd. What's going on, Sarah? How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm making it through this week, so that's good news. <laughs> yeah, this week has been really something. I mean, I feel like there's about five different uh, places that we could start with this, but uh, let's start with Donovan Mitchell. Give us your take on... Um, you know, in for game one, out for game one, big day, leaked story the next day, all the one of the crazier press conferences I've ever seen. What's uh, what are we taking from it? I guess we're all crossing our fingers and just hoping that him that he's actually playing tonight, as he said he is. Um, like you said, it was really strange. You know, he wasn't on the injury report. Um, since last Thursday and then on game day in that morning he told me and the other reporters after shoot around that he was ready to go feeling good a little sore but ready to go and by you know 3 30 that afternoon on game day the Jazz announced that uh, Donovan Mitchell was not going to be playing um, and Donovan was really upset that was clear you know he was not cryptic about his posts on instagram or twitter he said it the next day on you know to the reporters he said that he was upset and he was frustrated what we're being told is that the jazz medical staff met after shoot around on that game day and that they decided that they weren't comfortable playing donovan mitchell in that game what happened between him not being on an injury report and then monday is we're missing a little bit of information because he wasn't cleared for game one, but two days before game two, the Jazz magically cleared him for that game. And so there is a piece of missing information, whether or not it's just the weight of Donovan Mitchell's voice, whether, you know, rumors that there is tension between Donovan Mitchell's trainers and the Jazz medical staff, whether any of that's true, what actually happened, what matters is is that uh, – Donovan will be playing in game two. That's what he said. I'd be shocked. It would completely upend everything that I know if they held him out again. You know, uh, Sarah, I loved the question that you asked uh, during that news conference that addressed that very thing when you said, is there any way this could happen again? And 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 what was so telling about that? And he was, just said no. Nope. Was his response? <laughs> oh, sorry, Gordon, I jumped yeah, on you. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, it was it was just flat out no, and nobody's going to tell me that I can't. I mean, he didn't say that part, but that's what he meant. You could tell. Yeah, it was it was you know it was his face and his body language before he said the word no that was the most telling. I thought because 
just like you said, I said all indications pointed to you were playing in game one. All indications are pointing to you playing game two. What is there any fear that it's going to happen again? And he kind of leaned to the side. He laughed a little bit and smirked and had his hand on his face. And he just looked straight at the camera and said, no. Like, and exactly what you guys are saying. Nobody was going to tell him that he was going to sit out the next game. So, Sarah, I want to run this take by you and uh, agree or disagree or comment or whatever. But uh, it, the way I viewed the Jazz in Game One, there was a bunch of stuff that they did that they could tighten up. You know, need to shoot better. You know, uh, maybe higher energy, uh, those sorts of things. But the the concern I saw in Game One was that John ja Morant was unstoppable in the fourth quarter, and I think that is going to be relevant throughout the series. And I don't know, you know, Donovan Mitchell coming back does a lot for this Jazz team. It doesn't really help that. So what are your thoughts on that being a big problem? There's a couple things that go into that. Number one, uh, the Jazz, they were playing a drop defense on John Morant, which allows him to get into that lane and, and make that little push shot floater. We're very familiar with that shot because we see Mike Conley do it all the time when he's playing against a drop big. And so just in general, as a scheme, the Jazz can tighten up on that by just moving up a little bit and preventing Ja from getting into the paint to get in with, within range that makes that a comfortable and easy shot. The other part of that is that, you know, the guy that would move up and do that in Rudy Gobert and make those shots very difficult, he fouled out of the game. He wasn't playing for a large portion in the third quarter because he was already in foul trouble. And so you know, while Derek Favors is a very capable player, he's not Rudy Gobert. I don't think that's any secret or going to shock anyone for me to say that. And so if you Rudy Gobert has a responsibility to stay on the floor for the Utah Jazz, and I'd be really surprised if we saw him foul out two games in a row. And he's just got to play better and make sure that he's there for that. That being said, it's not just on Rudy Gobert. When he moves up to contest a shot like that from John Morant or even Dylan Brooks, who was also cooking the Jazz in game one, the rest of the team has to communicate and rotate. The help defender has to come over and make sure that they're there just in case John misses something because another problem was Jonas Valanciunas getting putbacks off of some of those misses. And so the rotation and the communication has to be good. Gobert needs to stay on the floor. They're going to need more than just 25 minutes and a foul out from him. You mentioned Dylan Brooks there. Uh, he did really torch the Jazz in game one. Uh, is are, Do the Jazz have the individual defenders necessary to slow a player like that? And you mentioned Ja Morant. And, and, I, I mean, do they have the athleticism to do it? Or is that why Quinn always stresses communication so much? Because what they can't do individually, they can do together. Is that what you're saying? I think what they can do individually, they can do together. That's true. I also find it interesting. I was, you know, speaking with some of the media and some of the people in Memphis this week, and the history of Dylan Brooks having games like this is not a, like, it's not a repeat offense. It seems like everyone in Memphis is more afraid that Dylan Brooks is going to try to come out and repeat himself because <laughs> historically, historically when he does that, when he, he comes out and has a heroic game, and then he's like, oh, I'm going to do this multiple times in a row. It usually spells disaster for Memphis because he's not the kind of player that can do that on a regular basis. And so 
I mean, I think that if if you're if the Jazz are looking at the game plan, they're probably thinking, yeah, go ahead, Dylan, try to try to beat us and not let the rest of the team get involved. They'll take Dylan Brooks in isolation probably any day of the week, and he might get one out of seven of those. I still think the Jazz have exactly what they need to win this series. It doesn't worry me that much that they lost game one, but I think that the biggest part, what what sort of worried me when I was watching game one is that they didn't come out and look like they were ready to play. Whether that's, you know, they were shaken up by the surprise that Donovan wasn't going to be playing while all week they thought he was, whether it was nerves, you know, whatever it was that went into that game one, they just have to come out and look better. They've got to execute better. You know, Boyan Bogdanovich can't have, you know, three turnovers in the first few minutes of the game and zero points in the first half come out and score 29 points in the second half and think that that's going to work. Everyone has to be aggressive and just play better throughout the full 48. So Donovan coming back, Sarah, is is a big deal because he's a really good player. But talk about the down roster effect of him coming back as well, a la Joe Ingles going back to the bench. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's such a trickle-down effect. And, the you know, Memphis's bench is actually one of their weaknesses because you know, they're not getting much out of it. Their top-end talent, the starting rotation, is where they're getting everything. And so, you know, if you've got – Gobert coming in with the second unit of Conley and they that unit that will win those bench minutes. You have that trickle-down effect where Joe Ingles doesn't have to run the offense for the majority of the time, especially if Mike Conley gets in foul trouble again like we saw in game one. And then that puts Joe Ingles in a position where when Derek Favors comes in, he's got somebody that has he has chemistry with that there's not such a drop off when you're able to get more offensive production. And so what that changes the bench from being, you know, basically Jordan Clarkson and George Niang and maybe a couple if you get from Derek and he had an excellent game in game one, you're not gonna get that every night. But it puts Joe Ingles into that group, which adds just so much more production and an opportunity for creation and an opportunity for him to generate open looks to three-point shooters, which is what they're going to need in that second unit. Okay, so here's your typical kind of uh, radio slash TV question in an interview: Who give it to me? Who, who is the who? If you were to pick one guy out, oh, let me back up. We know what we expect to see out of Donovan Mitchell, even though there's a little bit of wiggle room there, given his his, uh, month off or a month or two off, whatever it is, six weeks, five weeks, whatever. Uh, If you were to pick somebody else that you expect to rise up when the Jazz need it most, because this game tonight they have to get. Jake and I disagree a little bit on that. He thinks they can still lose it and come back and win the series. I just think that a loss tonight would put that in serious doubt. Who is the one guy that you think is sort of that X factor to step up and give his team a lift? I think that it's probably, I mean, another obvious answer would be Rudy Gobert. Like I said, he has to stay on the floor. He's got to anchor the defense. He has to be the one that gets up and contests John Morant and and keeps him from scoring all of those easy points and getting Grizzlies back in it if it's late in the fourth quarter again. But I I lean more towards Mike Conley. The fact that, you know, we talk about the trickle-down effect of the bench, but there's a trickle-down effect in the starting rotation because the Jazz actually stagger their lineups. You're not going to see, like, hockey lineups, five men in, five men out with the Jazz. And so when Mike Conley 
is playing without Donovan Mitchell, he has to do a lot more. That puts a lot more on Joe Ingles' shoulders. And that Mike Conley is not able to kind of feel out the game in the same way. I think that with Donovan Mitchell playing, it's going to give Mike more of an opportunity to do sort of that that search dribble that he does to get into the paint and to get his in the same way that Ja did. And he's going to be able to be much more of a facilitator than he was before. And I, you know, the narrative of this being his former team, it's not something that you can just toss to the side. This is the first time they've made the playoffs in the last decade or so without him. This is the first time they've been to the playoffs since he left. And I don't think that he wants to fizzle in this series. There's definitely got to be some motivation there. And whether it happens tonight in game two or it happens once they're actually back in Memphis and Mike Conley's playing in FedEx Forum as the enemy, I think that it's going to happen. And so Mike Conley would be one of the players that I would absolutely watch. All right, Sarah, I have a history of uh, throwing our guests into the middle of uh, Gordon's and my disagreements, so I'm going to go ahead and do that. But, uh, you you know, uh, your opinion on basketball carries great weight. And even if I'm wrong, we're going to go with your decision on this, all right? Okay. The Mavericks currently lead the Clippers two games to none. Is Is that because Dallas has been good or the Clippers have been bad? The, <laughs> the question that you're asking, you're looking for uh, like a hard and fast answer, and really the answer is a little bit of both. I don't, mostly I'll say actually the Clippers have been bad. Um, that comes because the Dallas Mavericks have been playing well. You know, <laughs> you don't you don't get Luka Doncic scoring in the face of Patrick Beverly and him yelling at him and saying, you can't guard me unless Patrick Beverly has been doing a bad job of guarding him, you know? And so it, they these ideas fuel each other. But I do think it's such a failing on the part of the Clippers. You know, they lost games intending to play this Dallas Mavericks team. They didn't want to see the Lakers. They didn't want to have any other matchup. They thought this is the one that's easy for us. They're down Oh, they're down by two games in the opening round of the playoffs at home. And so, you know, actually to the earlier point that maybe Utah would be okay if they lost another game, they already have to win this series on the road now. If they were down two games at home, it would make things a lot more difficult. I don't, I don't think anybody wants that because right now with the Clippers down two, pretty much everyone has counted them out because we haven't seen – Kawhi hasn't been – the same Kawhi that he was even when he won that Toronto championship. And even at that point, he wasn't full Kawhi the way that we remember him. And he just doesn't look like he has the same lateral quickness. He doesn't look like he has the same lift that he had. He doesn't seem like he's as clutch as he was before. And so right now, being down 0-2, when you have home court advantage to a team that you you thought was the lesser team – I think it mostly reflects badly on the Clippers. And right now, if I was Clippers fans, I'd be wondering if Kawhi even going to want to be here if we lose in the first round. There you go. Well said. All right. All right. So we'll we'll both walk away with kind of a W. Me a little more, but that we're not. <laughs> of course. We're... That's what I like to hear is everyone's happy at the end of my segment. <laughs> Sarah, one last question for you. I'm curious to know who of all the teams you've seen in the playoffs thus far has impressed you the most? And I don't mean players, I mean teams. 
Yeah, it's hard not to be impressed with what the Suns did in Game 1 against the Lakers. I think that, you know, ever, even though they were the 2C, that everyone was really counting them out. That being said, they are going against the Lakers, so you expect there to be a little bit up and down. But the the Bucks and what they've been able to do against the Heat has really, really impressed me. Um, you You would expect to get more out of Jimmy Butler during the playoffs as we've seen in the past couple of years, especially last year when he was in the finals. And that that Miami team just doesn't look like they have it. And on the other side of that, that Bucks team, they look like they've gone into a completely different different gear. Drew Holiday is such an incredible upgrade over Eric Bledsoe and all of those guys. I mean, even with Giannis not really having his best game, everybody on that team has stepped up, and you're getting really big minutes, really big contributions across the board. You know, we saw that wild shot from Chris Middleton in the first game, and it, it's just really impressive. I think that if I was going to pick anybody, that would be the team. Sarah, thank you as always for jumping on with us. We greatly appreciate it. Enjoy the game tonight. Will do. I'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks, Sarah. It's our friend Sarah Todd from the Deseret News. Uh, she does terrific work covering the jazz, and we always look forward to it when she gets a chance to come on the show. We'll have to have her settle more of our arguments. <laughs> Can she be official show arbiter? I don't think she would want that, or arbitrator. I don't think she'd want that uh, job. I don't think anybody would want that job. Quite frankly, frankly no. <laughs> no. I'm not sure anyone could succeed at that job. No, because we only get along on so many topics, you know. Just and that's certain, one. Certain topics like we explored yesterday, which just, <laughs> we're never going to see eye to eye. Your yeah. stance, Jake, on uh, amateurism? I hate <laughs> amateurism. Pay those college athletes. Man, I love you. Or Gordon's uh, stance on socks and sandals. I like wearing socks with sandals. I actually did that the other day in front of you, didn't I? You told me not to mention it. I didn't mention it. I, I saw the look on your face. I held up my end of the deal. Where were you? Uh, he came to visit me and bring me dinner. Thus, I was like, I'm not going to tease Gordon but, mercilessly. But, he was being nice. But, did you do it on purpose? Uh, no. I did wish you dress I, I, in the dark? I, I wish I had. But I was running down the steps because my wife was out in the car waiting for me and I didn't have time to tie on some shoes. So I just saw whatever was there and I slipped, uh, slipped on the shower shoes. I've been in that situation before and you know what I do? I take the socks off and put the shoes on. I didn't have time, man. I I, I just didn't think that it really mattered that much. <laughs> it, it wasn't like I was going somewhere where I was trying to impress anybody. It's just to the Scott family. Except for Naz, I always like to look good for her. I doubt she noticed. <laughs> but I, I was, think you're right. I was that. totally willing to give you a pass on that because you know you were really doing a nice thing for my family. Oh, I so wish there was pictures. I, I can't hold your feet to the fire, so to speak, on that. Yeah, but wait a minute. There's a difference between wearing sandals <laughs> with socks and wearing shower shoes. There's not, nope. and it was sh uh, shower shoes that you were busted for all those years ago. Those were on TV. On TV, those were no. Those were shower shoes. Those were sliders, right? Also known as sandals. Uh huh. They no. are sandals. Sandals wrap around your ankle, and they work. no, they don't. You're saying flip flops aren't sandals? If you're an ancient no, Rome, flip flops are flip flops. Flip flops are sandals. No. Yes. Not, They're all in the type. sandal family. They're all yeah. sandals. <laughs> It's a different okay. genome of sandals. You're trying to tell us that flip-flops aren't sandals? 
Well, I I can I don't consider. Let me call Sarah back. <laughs> no, no, because this one is not even worth it. I, I you could be right. I, I like I, wearing I'm, socks with sandals. I'm not 100 percent sure on that, but I I have seen a lot of athletes through the years wear uh, shower shoes with with socks. I'm sorry. Are you a, well, with a white profes- socks. professional athlete? Because <laughs> if you aren't, I'm missing your point here. <laughs> So it's okay for them, but not for us. Uh, well, you could do you, man. That's that's why I didn't bring it up. This is you. You didn't have to admit. Yeah, you didn't have to admit to this. It's all right. I I I sometimes around the house throw on my uh, my shower shoes, flip flops, sandals, whatever uh, you subscribe to, with my socks on. But it's usually like in the middle of the night. Uh, in the pitch black of darkness, <laughs> where I know no one's eyes will ever behold me. See, here's the thing: I, sliders are are not a part of my routine. The oh, only, they're great. The I like sliders. The only sandals I have are, in fact, thongs. You, Who are you, you my are, dad? You Stop, don't call it that. Thongs. People don't call flip flops thongs anymore. Not since '81. <laughs> really? No, a thong is a string thing that you put around your loins. And now it was made worse. That was really creepy. A string but thing I, around I, your loins? I grew up with uh, calling flip-flop thongs. That's not a thing anymore? In your, no. In your no. loins? I'm going to go find <laughs> my... Th- shish. Time out for you. I am really not... I, I, I'm really trying not to creep this thing out because I think of flip-flops. I used to call them thongs. Well, uh, before your child gets into elementary school and you say that out loud in front of a bunch of other children, you might want to change the word to flip-flops. I agree. Thongs Before just you just shout, hey, Sadie, where's my thongs? <laughs> but thongs, plural, would not be referring to underwear. Yeah, Why but not? It's too close. It's too close. No, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I get what you're saying, Jake, Yeah. but time has passed enough where I get what you're saying, but you're, you you can't. Can I, can I ask a question of our no. listeners? Because people I, like Gordon are no. going to do that. No. Is that why? No, Is I that really, why I really, the, no, I the, really the, mean the Chester shadows of the world no, no, have no. ruined a perfectly no, good no, name? No, no, no. No, it's, it's, no, it's not coming from me. It's the same reason cigarettes are called cigarettes and not what they used to be called. Yeah. It's it's just you've got to move on from it. But the word thong is not obscene. No, but no, it just neither. implies it's, it implies something that you don't mean. I do mean you don't. They're thongs. Jake wears thongs. Okay, well, leave it at that. will you say that real quick? Say have I you, wear have thongs. You, have you ever worn like one? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Say that. Say say that. You know? Do you have weekly conversations <laughs> with your bishop? Because if you don't, you should. Because <laughs> your thoughts are not where I, I think they're supposed to no, be. No, that happens to me all the time. What are you talking about? I say something, and you you have some uh, twisted, demented view of it because of the, a certain word, and I didn't mean it that way. And then you accuse me of being chestery. By the way, speaking of Sarah, she did uh, just tweet into the show. She says, "Hey, Gordon and Jake, I wear socks with sandals all the time." Oh, there, <laughs> beautiful. There you go. I love it. All hey, right. let me ask our listeners: now, Is it okay to wear a, a white white socks with 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 a shower shoe with a slip on to not, a wedding? Not, not no, no. I'm not talking <laughs> about television. a sandal sandal to court. I'm talking about. <laughs> you know, you've seen those Nike and those Adidas slip ons. 
That's okay. Oh, if it's Nike and Adidas, then yeah, oh, please. So it's a brand thing. If it yeah, costs $80. Again, I only have one Porsche. All right, stay tuned for next 97.5. I have driven my Porsche when I was wearing my socks and sandals. At 1280 The Zone, you just said Porsche.